1: Thunder Buddies and travelers down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Back for another Knights of Nitro special. I am your host, your Nitro Girl Spice on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, <laughs> and I am joined, as always, by my faithful co-host. he's Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you?
2: I don't like the implication that I'm the mean gene of this this partnership. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're trying to hawk uh, actually wait hang on ma- ma- maybe I am the mean gene of this <laughs> 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 actually, do you think I could get away with
1: setting up a hotline oh yeah well I'm sure you know like the, the 90s nostalgia has started to like creep in over the last couple of years so I'm sure 900 numbers are right around the corner from coming back
2: I could just rob all of Fifold's great scoops that they put up for their $5 tier and Did, put them on my hotline d- did
1: you ever fall for any of the like the those kind of um wheel you know, you ring up here like the the Corey? I was just hotline. gonna say the Corey hotline. <laughs> yeah, or anything like that. Any anything similar where like you text a thing in and we'll take a lump of your
2: credit and give you something shit for your phone. Um apart from ringtones, no. Yeah. But no, yeah. I, I never really like I'm I'm just a little bit too young for the whole hotline thing. Hmm. Although it wasn't really a thing over here. It Well, no, it definitely
1: wasn't as much. Um, Yeah, I can't think. Of, like, I'm sure there was, you know, call local girls in your area oh, yeah, sort of things. Yeah. But again, the two of us would have been too young to even fucking notice that stuff in the, the mid 90s. Um, Yeah, I think ringtones were the one that like, oh, my God, you mean I can get my my phone to ring and it sounds like a really horrific version of the Simpsons? Like, opening a, yeah, a,
2: a two bit Simpsons theme or Mick yeah. entrance music. And then like maybe a year
1: or two later when I discovered looking up things on the internet and I was like, hey, here's like the exact code you punch into your phone to make a polyphonic ringtone. I <laughs> remember when like that, those new, the slightly newer Nokias then came out and you were able to make your own ringtone. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was revelatory. <laughs> you know, it was like the it was almost as big a leap as when I found out, you know, when I got my first phone with apps. You know, oh, yeah. that's, it was a quantum leap technologically. It's like, now I can make terrible Simpsons theme ringtones just by typing in a series of about 100 random digits yeah. there, on my phone.
2: There was also that period of time where everybody had real songs as their ringtones and you would yeah. hear some absolutely awful songs. Hmm. I I often, in my work,
1: like it, it, it makes me feel young and it makes me feel old at the same time. You know, um working with like young teenagers and things like that and one of the things that they just can't get around their heads is because we're the like we were the first generation that really like got mobile phones or cell phones Mm -hmm. as our american friends would call them so we do remember having most of our childhood without them yes like i got my first one when i was like 12 or 13 and i remember that was like quite young to have them in the like the late 90s. It was a hand-me-down, obviously. Like, you weren't buying a 13-year-old a, a, a new phone back then, perish the thought, but um, this giant Sony Ericsson monstrosity that I had that only had, like, a single line of visible text on it. But um, yeah, something that the young people I work with can't wrap their heads around is the idea that, like, for most of our childhood, if, like, I tried to call Lee to see if Lee was around, and Lee wasn't within reach of of the phone attached to the wall in his house. <laughs> I wasn't talking to Lee that day.
2: Yeah, it, it, it it's like that. I had that kind of period. Like Again, I'm a couple of years older than you, and it was that thing of where you knew your friend's house number because yeah. you would occasionally be allowed to ring them and see if they're actually at home before you walked yeah. the whole five minutes down the road to see if they were there. <laughs> you remember a time where, like,
1: having... um. Having a, a a landline in the house with a wireless receiver was like oh. living in the thirty first century. Oh yeah.
2: You I mean you were totally middle class if you had a, a wireless phone in your house. Yeah. Or or the cordless,
1: the cordless as they called yes. them here. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah. You would always have that neighbor you'd hear talking to somebody on the phone. Yeah, I'm I'm out the back on the phone. jeez, it's, oh, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm
1: slowly turning into my granddad as time goes on. Like my granddad who's a great man for you know, if uh, any of the grandkids were hanging around the house and they were complaining about, oh, there's only like chocolate digestives here. There isn't any other like bars of chocolate or anything like that. He'd be like, when I was your age, I used to have to have butter and sugar sandwiches. Those were the only sweets I was around before they invented chocolate bars. Like, I don't think that's strictly true, but <laughs> you're going to say it anyway. <laughs> I mean, I never realized
2: your granddad was that old, but you know. Yeah, well, he certainly <laughs> likes to act that way. It's that whole thing of I oh, used to walk fifteen miles in the snow yeah. every day to school. Yeah. You know, it didn't snow for fifteen years in Ireland. It yeah, fucking snowed that day. <laughs> he's he's from a town
1: where there is so like like brief, boring Irish history lesson. There used to be uh, an area around Dublin called the Pale, which is kind of where the the anglicized settlers were kind of all located and Mm -hmm. us us uh, horrific Irish natives primitive beasts that we were were all outside the pale there was a period of time where there was actually a wall around the pale Mm -hmm. Um, and my granddad is from the town where there's a bit of it still standing uh, near the Carlow Gate Okay. And the way he talks about this pale wall is as if he was there when it was <laughs> still standing, and like the pale was conservatively six hundred and fifty odd years ago that that like that line was was drawn around that area.
2: Um, See that, yeah. that that reminds me of Jen's granddad. Who, um, when we started going out, he would call me the dub. The dub. Now, bear in mind, Jen's family live conservatively half an hour outside of dublin yeah you know that's that's that that's enough that matters
1: yeah it matters <laughs> i'm surprised you weren't got around ireland as well like people who like aren't originally from the area who come to the area they get known as the blowing yeah oh yeah that's the one yeah sure
2: any passing through like yeah oh yeah sure that's what i mean like where i live now again a little bit further out again but it's like oh yeah more dubs fucking blow-ins mm. yeah look at it taking over the town yeah. Never never mind that everyone is from Dublin. In the town.
1: Yeah. I look I, I live in Kildare, which is the county right beside Dublin, and most people here are from Dublin.
2: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Emma's from Dublin. Like there's just you're everywhere. Yeah, it'd be like people in New Jersey complaining about people from New York moving into New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. For for it a comparison. Is, it's,
1: except it's an even shorter distance. Yeah. Like it it literally uh, I could I could walk to Dublin from here in, you know like half a day. God knows you wouldn't get any public transport. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I'd probably beat the bus up there. Fuck's sake. Uh, Pal, uh, before we get into the nitro of it all um, and the significance thereof, do you want to let everybody know what's been happening on on the Patreon, patreon.com slash WCW Thunderpod the last week and
2: what we have uh, coming up on the schedule? Yeah. So last Last Thursday, we dropped Rehash 2, our um, Rehash of the Champions, our Clash of the Champions retro uh, podcast, which I host, where we go through every WCW, NWA era Clash of the Champions all the way up to 1997. So, yeah, we dropped number two. Some great feedback already. Um, Miami Mayhem.
1: Miami Mayhem, yes. It it feels like it's already turned into more of a, less of a Clash of the Champions uh, more retrospective. Re- more and of, an more Al- of an Al
2: Perez career retrospective.
1: Yeah. 100%, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know how we've worked ourselves into that particular shoot, but here we are.
2: If you want more Al Perez and you can take a stick out, well, rehash is for you. Um, yeah. Then this coming weekend, we are going to record our second Patreon show of the month. It will be a dot at the movies and of course it is the jesse ventura story there was only ever one choice that was going to win that poll. once mm-hmm. we discovered this movie was actually real i'm like you know
1: anybody that heard me on the show like literally discovering this movie live on the air uh will know that i have this tentative mix of excitement and and deep deep fear as to how bad this is going to
2: be this could go so many ways I don't know what to expect from this I I know one way it won't go well (laughs) so we will record that this weekend and that will obviously drop next Thursday from when you're listening to this Mm -hmm. um coming up on the Patreon we will have again Dave will record a grab bag which will drop later on this month Um. About this like just before uh
1: the movie show drops because yeah. I like to get it out before the end of the month um Dave has also updated the sheet this month yeah. I believe a lot of um a lot of rampage catch up this month yeah um because if people are sleeping on aew rampage
2: guys it's like it's a pretty great it's a show a great wrestling show to be honest yeah um, also, keep sending your reps recommendations because Dave has got some great recommendations. I know he's added a lot of them mm-hmm. to the to the list. Yeah, um, we got two, we got two more
1: since the sheet post went up that are on my to watch list for this month. And I'm also looking for uh, people to cut through the the, the 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 chuffa and tell me what are the matches I absolutely need to watch from the G1 because am I fuck watching you know an hour and a half of six man tags followed by a couple of gentlemen three-star matches yeah
2: I, i'd love to watch have the time to watch the whole g1 but it's not gonna happen this year yeah. <laughs> so yeah that that's this month on patreon and then next month again we'll have another rehash and we will drop a new series that we're planning for for um august yeah and that is i, th- I don't know if we've mentioned it on the
1: free feed before but that is uh, a show called black and golden days which you know uh keen-eared listeners might be able to figure out that it is a an nxt retrospective and yes we are going to start with the reality show era of nxt so yeah we're both looking forward to that one yeah. um you, you're looking you i know you're a big fan of the corn-fed meathead skip sheffield
2: Listen, anytime i get to talk about michael tarver i'm all about it <laughs> With that knockout punch you never fucking used, <laughs> because of course the big show had a knockout punch that he used at the time. So yeah, um, but yeah, no, that that's Patreon. Obviously, mm-hmm. we appreciate any subscriptions. If you can throw any money our way, there's three tiers. There is the one dollar, which gets you access to the sheet, I believe, doesn't it? Um, yes, and uh, and show notes, I think. Um. See, if we were actually professional, we would know all this stuff. We have the $5 yeah. Team Beefy Da, which will get you access to um, pretty much all of the content. Mm-hmm. And then we have the $15 yeah. T- TRL tier, which will give you the option to select a TRL for the Patreon exclusive shows. So, as you know, we drop a TRL every now and again on the main timeline. So we have two more that will drop. One That's will, season one. yeah. One will drop directly the show after Spring Stampede, and then we will have another one shortly after that. And then coming up on the Patreon, we have two already on the schedule. And so yeah, if TRLs are your thing, we are gonna be dropping plenty of them in the coming months.
1: There, yeah, they're gonna be coming thick and fast, um, because we had two people take us up on the offer straight away, and we don't want to leave them waiting too long, mm-hmm. um. You will get a couple of nice extra bits with your TRL if you vote for them in Season 2. We're going to like record a special intro just for the person who um, requested it, and th- that'll be in the copy of the, the, the podcast that we send to them. Uh, everybody who subscribed to the Team Beefy Da tier is going to get the TRLs anyway. Uh, that's just a little special thank you for the people that described. It is a limited tier as well. There are only four slots left for Season 2, so uh, if you have a really good idea for something you want us to be subjected to. Um bump your uh, get get your get in at the fifteen dollar tier or bump your if you're at the five dollar tier already, bump it up to fifteen. You only have to do it for one month once you bump it up just for one month to the TRL tier. That's your TRL secured will be in the DMs to ask your request and then the month after you can immediately drop back down to whatever tier you're more comfortable with.
2: We will uh, say and- it doesn't have to be a wrestling show. It can be anything. It can be a movie it can be a book review whatever you want us to do. TRL yeah. is your way of getting us to do it. As we
1: have gone on record, there is very little we will not do for money.
2: <laughs> um, and then I know we meant we mentioned August, and just from ha- having the chats before we went live here, I think September is going to ramp up to be a really good month on the Patreon. Big
1: big month. Mm-hmm. We we have. Um, We've a return of a, of a show, that uh, the second episode in a series that uh, was was very much enjoyed uh, in its debut. And that's that's Drafts and Draft. We're hoping to have our, first o- our second episode out in September. Mm-hmm. The topic and guest, because there will be a guest on this one, to be revealed. Um, we are also planning tentatively a little bit of a live stream for Patreons only. Mm-hmm. Um, May have something to do with a pay per view that's coming in September.
0: Who knows? We'll
1: say a little bit more closer to the time.
0: <laughs> you more. pitched <laughs> 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 Um
1: and yeah, uh, that's and those are uh, you know in addition to the other things we have planned. There'll obviously be a second Patreon show. We'll be cranking out one of the um the TRLs that month as well. At least
2: as we have said before, if we get a dumb idea, chances are we will do it on the Patreon.
1: Absolutely. So that's patreon.com slash WCW Thunderpod. Anyway, um that is enough uh, hawking ourselves out of the way. Uh Let's talk to the other sponsors. (laughs) That's right, Days of Thunder listeners. It's that time again. If you have an appetite like the corn-fed meathead Skip Sheffield, you're going to want to listen into this because we got to talk about our friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Choose from 55-plus weekly options featuring pre-portioned, high-quality ingredients picked at peak ripeness. HelloFresh delivers fresh, quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week, so you can savour summer flavours right from home. Select meals from the Taste of Summer series that are sure to become everyone's new favourites, like the Old Bay Shrimp and Sausage Boil, and family-style grilled steak lettuce wraps. Holy hell. To avail of the offer that's being made to you, the Days of Thunder listener, all you gotta do is go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals across 7 boxes and 3 free gifts. One more time, that's HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16. Use the code V-O-W-16 at checkout to avail of that offer. And if that doesn't sate your appetite, I just don't know what will. It's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Back to the show. Okay, ad corner over, my friend. It's time to talk uh, about nitro. And before we get get into the number nitro and the date of the nitro, uh, Lee, in a nutshell, why did we pick this nitro? Because this was something we were asked uh, on the Discord, the VOW Discord this week. Which, by the way, join in the VOW Discord so you can chat to us on there. Um,
2: so we picked this episode for basically one segment and one segment only. It was mm-hmm. the Bret Hart-Goldberg segment on this show. a mm-hmm. infamous WCW segment.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was basically, I, basically I, the
1: only reason we picked it and I'm only really learning having watched this show like I definitely haven't seen that full segment start to finish before Mm. I've seen the clip Yeah, you know we've seen the clip like it's one of the it's one of those clips that to WCW's credit for better or worse they hit you over the head with that clip over the the couple of years that they remain in existence Mm -hmm. because even You know, like I've said, we're coming up on the time where I start watching WCW religiously. And I saw this clip a bunch of times as a kid, but definitely didn't see this Nitro. Um, Something that really energizes me about it as well is that it's the very rare sight of um, WCW in Canada.
2: Yeah, it's the first time in the Nitro era they've actually gone to Canada. Um, Mm. Now, listen, they did a lot of actually good Canadian wrestlers, so it's somewhere they probably should have went before this and uh-huh. um and i want to say the crowd was the crowd was good when they were given stuff to invest in but this yeah. i mean on a broader level i thought this show was pretty fucking bad
1: yeah wasn't great there was some stuff to pick out for sure um but yeah it was a thing where the canadian crowds you know it's not it's not full you know bizarro land uh, what it is is kind of what you hit on is like they're hot for stuff that will that earns it. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to give you great reactions on a plate either. No. Um, if if you're going to feed them shit they're not going to treat it like it's something serious. Yeah. So there are moments here on this show where it's like damn this is like a hot crowd and there are things they could have done on this show that I think would have made this a really momentous Nitro, but mm. they just they just don't go with it. Um, but look, let's let, let's get into it as we go. This is Nitro episode 185, uh, dated the 29th of March, 1999, from Toronto, Ontario, uh, gaining a rating of 3.6 boys. Um, so that's down slightly from last week, I think was the last nights of Nitro literally one week ago it was a 3.9 i believe mm. um we we have a cold open with gormless sack of shit david flair and samantha uh in front of a fireplace uh, hang on, and i have white. to ask
2: is she still samantha
1: she is she has gone unnamed for several weeks now yes did
2: yeah. do you think they actually forgot they named her samantha
1: i would say there is almost a 100% chance that is the case yes okay. um and every time I go to type her name down, I first type it as Tori yeah. because it it's fucking Tori. Yeah. But like they haven't identified her as that yet. And I'm not letting them away with the fact they haven't done that yet. <laughs> um so they have a cold open in front of the fireplace. Um I believe Lee the way this is shot, because she's in like um a kind of like a cocktail dress, and I believe the way they're intentionally shooting this. Over the back is to uh, make the salacious implication that she is, in fact, nude on this chair at first, (laughs) because it's literally they they pick over the shoulder behind the two of them talking to each other. They picked the one camera angle from which you couldn't see any of the dress. Like, it's just kind of, like, yeah. bare shoulders and arms and stuff like that. So I believe that was their attempt to to hook in the lads at the start of Nitro here. Um, but unfortunately, uh, within seconds, uh, any sort of reverie that a, a, an adolescent man might have been having is shattered by the... Uh, pitchy whining of David <laughs> Flair saying that he can't believe his dad is ducking Hollywood Hollywood treats me like a real dad should even like the most pathetic line in here was like he even let me in his jet um, and uh, you know the thing I can't uh, I can't abide in this company is how often people and in this case David Flair flub their lines on a pre
2: oh they do it so often like so often,
1: he's just falling all over himself here, and he doesn't have that much to say. Now, listen.
2: Do I believe this is the best take they got out of him? Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, there's, it's not necessarily that they did one take. It, it's it's probably this
2: is the best they got. Um, now, listen. If there's one thing we know about Hollywood Hulk Hogan's, that he is absolutely a great father. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. I mean, listen, did David Flair ever really have a chance with these two men as the fathers in his life? No. Um, but I I got to say, David Flair's
1: performance here, I, again, it's one of those, you know, the point has been hit on many times in other places, not just us, but the, the fact that you have one of the most charismatic people in the history of professional wrestling and Ric Flair and his son is this void of personality but- is... We, Absolutely remarkable. But
2: we know this happens so often in professional wrestling. Yeah.
1: it really it's a it's a certified phenomenon. Mm-hmm. The only one I can the only one I can think of where it's like charismatic father and charismatic son is Soul Man Rocky Johnson and The Rock. It's like two, you know, and I wouldn't say Rocky Johnson was like a talk him into the building no. kind of guy, but he had he had a physical charisma about him, uh, and The Rock just had every measure of charisma. Actually, actually speaking of, of The of. Rock, have have you seen any episodes of Young Rock? No, I haven't. Unfortunately, you're giving people ideas to <laughs> sign up to the TRL tier and make us. Unfortunately, I have seen a lot of them because Connor is
2: obsessed with the show. Oh no. And I've point- Can't win everyone, man. I have pointed out that the show is so inaccurate in everything it does. Yeah. Now, listen. I can understand why it's entertaining to a nine-year-old because it has like an Andre the Giant as like a main character, yeah. Um, and it kind of skips between general, like The Rock is a kid and then oh. he's a teenager, and then he's in Memphis. And look,
1: man, if we were the big dogs age and there was like a, t- a proper network TV show about wrestling on there, we would eat that oh, shit yeah, up regardless of quality. So, but
2: yeah, it's 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 really bad.
1: But compared to David Flair in this segment, I thought Tori was like Meryl Streep. <laughs> like she doesn't I think she has she has three backstage segments on this show and like it's not like she's, you know she's actually like Meryl Streep, but she's like she's pretty competent for someone that's had very little T V time. Oh yeah, she's absolutely
2: like the the best part of any of the promos she's involved in. Um yeah. But, I mean, you you mentioned Meryl Streep and then the fact that WCW shot her as if she was looking naked. So, can we now just call her Meryl Strip? <laughs>
1: God, you've been waiting all week for that one, haven't you?
2: <laughs> well, listen, I think of these things on the spot. I don't plan anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you just what's that? You're 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 doing a big check mark on your notepad there. um They uh they keep uh they keep calling Rick uh a loser in this segment, so they're still heels, but Ric Flair is also a heel and Hollywood's a face. Yeah, uh, this is something that would become over the course of these three hours nearly impossible to track. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they're doing this and it's not I uh, again this is before you know the let's do Shades of Grey Russo era this is legitimately I believe this company are forgetting several times a show who are the baby faces in the heels
2: can, can I just point out you spent like four minutes talking about just the cold open yeah and it was like 45 seconds long if If even uh, it's Nitro and it's
1: the Nintendo 64 Beetle Adventure Racing uh, Battle for the Beetle Competition <laughs> sweepstakes this is there's is so much 90s about this i remember the return of the beatle i remember advertising for beetle adventure racing i i the nintendo 64 logo uh makes me just pine for the days mm-hmm. um and the idea of a sweepstakes on tv to win a car uh it's just this is just some great shit some great nostalgia
2: here uh. Oh yeah, also Nitro was in Canada for the first time. <laughs> I I, w- I would say you are a big fan of Herbie the Movie, were you? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, you're you're that
1: target age, I think. I wasn't uh, the remake I was too old. I was I was a teenager for the Lindsay Lohan. Oh, were you? Hound I was remake, thought I, yeah. I thought that was your age. Oh remake. no, no. I was I was yeah, I was like probably 17 oh, right really? then. Yeah, 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 geez, yeah. It was a lot later than I thought then. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was like mid mid two thousands. Ah, I thought um, it was early, was, like yeah, mega yeah. two thousand, thousand one. Um Yeah, it it didn't it feel like uh, Nitro being in Canada was secondary to <laughs>
2: the Beatle being hocked off here. Yeah, like it, you wanna talk about like shameless advertising on a show, it was just constantly hit over the head with, Hey, you wanna win a Beatle? <laughs> It's like a shameless bit of
1: advertising for not only the model of car, but for the game on N64, which itself was a shameless advertising. Like it was a game specifically put together to advertise the fact that they were making the Beetle again as of 1998. Um, I had said I, I was talking on Twitter about this last night as I was watching it. And I remember I remember the box art of this game clear as day Um. But I never played it. And I always assumed it was kind of crap. And then I looked it up and right. Not only was this getting rave reviews out the door, um, because I like I scoffed at the fact Tony called it the best racing game of 1999, because I was like a bit premature because I remember Gran Turismo 2 comes out in 1999. There is not a chance that whole that statement holds up by the end of the year. But apparently this got rave reviews and not only that, I was floored to learn because I thought there was going to be some like backwater studio published this game. Um, this was published by Electronic Arts. EA. Really? Yeah. Okay.
2: So that was absolutely but, blew my mind. You know what? That would make sense because EA also made the WCW games. So the ah. fact that it was being advertised on Nitro would add mm. up. Mm. Um,
1: So Nitro is in Canada for the first time they have uh, but I love that they have the actual N64 boxes and other primate of nostalgia in front of the lads I miss physical boxes for games that's besides the point Um, huge Larry chance he gives them what they want Um, already Lee the we want Brett chance yes oh my god and do you know what so uh, Larry as we cut to the ring you can hear Larry mumbling there's no game in my box um And we see a clip from, uh, oh, yeah, they don't throw to the ring. They throw it last week on Nitro, a clip mm-hmm. of Brett laying down the challenge to Goldberg. And a, a, like a penny dropped Lee. This is the first time Brett has wrestled in Canada since Montreal.
2: Oh, God, yeah, i had never even thought of.
1: <laughs> Imagine if his first time, like, this is what, like, again, if I have my head screwed on as a promoter and a booker.
2: You're putting them in a world title match, aren't you?
1: I'm doing Flair versus Brett for the title. And I'm, even if it's just for a month, I'm putting that belt on Brett. Mm -hmm. Just to be like, we gave you what those fuckers wouldn't. Yep. You know what I mean? You've then made Canada as a territory for WCW. Um, Now, listen, what they did wasn't necessarily bad. No, but it wasn't that. We'll We'll get to that. Yeah. So, yeah, God, imagine if he had laid down the challenge to to Flair. Like, definitely, I would. again, it's one of those things where you definitely should do it on a pay-per-view if you're going to do the world Mm -hmm. title, blah, blah, blah. But seeing as they were obsessed with ratings, even if they did a one-week build, it's going to be Brett versus Flair for the belt in Canada, home field territory, first time back since Montreal. Well,
2: I'm going to blow your mind here. I'd say they probably knew a couple of months in advance they were going to Canada. So they could have, now hear me out on this, Yeah. They could have planned to build to a match.
1: Yeah. Nah. Nah, they were too obsessed with doing a stupid double turn in a cage. Yeah. Uh, Our first match on the show is Conan versus Vincent. Uh, Conan is out in his new, now that he's been out of the the Wolfpack, he's got his new Conan 187 shirt. uh, Widely beloved by the crowd, uh, as has been the case for quite some time. Uh, Slags off the NWO, then he's about to turn his attention to cut a promo on Disco, but he's interrupted by Vincent. Uh... Vincent just keeps like incoherently shouting threats at him as he's walking to the ring and I appreciate he's getting, he gets so tongue tied between he's trying to say that you were black and red but I'm going to make you black and blue and what comes out of his face was I'm going to
2: paint you black and red long pause you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. just, people think Vincent has been a gimmick for the last 15 years oh no yeah. no no that's no. just the way the man is yeah.
1: Uh, first match in commentary already bickering with each other. Cool. Um, they they are fucking. They're awful tonight, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I actually think um, when Brain arrives, for, they get better. They they get better, yeah. and Brain is on it tonight. I mm-hmm. thought. Um, but we'll get we'll get to that when he arrives. Um, very early on, Larry Zabisco calls Vincent the bottom dog of the NWO. Fucking harrowing. <laughs> um. Conan putting a whooping on Vince till a low bridge gives him the heat. Uh, Crowd having none of Vincent with the heat. They're just there. They don't believe for a single second that that Conan's in peril. Uh, Vince goes to do that kind of like sweeping uh, elbow drop kind of thing. Um, But (laughs) he's so uncoordinated and unathletic that he goes to do it and then just kind of very slowly falls to his knees and gently caresses him with his elbow. Yep. Um, and then like, gives him a punch Um, absolutely awful Uh, Conan gets his feet up in the corner hits his rolling lariat but Stevie Ray is coming down the aisle Stevie Ray comes down the aisle this distracts Conan so try to follow this, this distracts Conan Vince clotheslines Conan in the back of the head, he himself then becomes distracted for long enough for Conan to recover hit the face buster, the tequila sunrise and win I, I I tweeted about this. I gotta love a match where it's an NWO guy versus an end a uh, former NWO guy, and an NWO guy comes out and distracts one guy, and then the other guy. I it's oh god, it just fucking see. You're, you're there's try- a lot of sucky finishes on this show, and this like really started off strong.
2: You're you're trying to apply logic to an illogical situation. Hmm. See, we have established over weeks and months at this stage that anyone still wearing an NWO black and white shirt is a fucking moron yeah and Stevie Ray who seemed to be above it is now getting dragged right into it
1: yeah it's full Keystone Cops it's it's awful stuff um horrendous just an awful way to start what should have been a hot show and it ends with uh Larry's Bisco uh playing the role of everybody's grandfather by asking if Conan can now pull up his pants um. then we get Hogan and Tori cackling about having David on a short leash so clearly they, they did three backstage segments with Tori and she probably moved a total of about three feet during all of them because it's clearly like the same room just mm-hmm. a different angle well um, I mean she's
2: the most important person so they're all going to see her yeah.
1: this is like she's the best booked like the, well not the best booked but she's like the most consistently booked character in the company right now
0: <laughs> probably
1: I'll give it time that will soon yeah. change um, so they're cackling about having David on a short leash. Uh, the, the main thing that I took from this segment is anytime Hogan is trying to be cool when younger ladies are around, it's very funny to me and not in a way that he intends.
2: I think it's incredibly awkward.
1: Oh, it is incredibly awkward, but it's like, he thinks he is playing a blinder here. <laughs> uh, and it's just like it's like you're embarrassing da, someone call someone call a cab to take him home. Um and yeah, they, they clearly filmed it like a minute after the date. Like David walked out of frame,
2: Hulk walked in, they yes. hit record again. They might not have even stopped um, the camera. And the the main takeaway seems to be that they are rebuilding to Nash versus Hogan again.
1: Yep, because
2: who doesn't want to see that again? Um Gene welcomes
1: Hogan. To the ring. Uh, Hogan has popped the top off before he even says a word. Um, and again, we have just seen him in a devious heel backstage segment, but this segment in front of the crowd, pure babyface.
2: Well, one, I believe they wouldn't have shown it on the whatever screen they had in the arena. Yeah. A- and two, it's fucking Canada. Hogan is always over in Canada.
1: Yeah. Oh, and he full like it. It's not like he was trying to dissuade them from that because it starts off with a well, you know, something mean Gene, which, which got a, a huge puff. Oh, and they were eating out of his hand. Um, it was one of those meandering Hogan promos where he takes ages to say fuck all. Mm-hmm. Basically, he wants Flair in the ring tonight. Um, and it's his belt, and he wants it back. But uh, I, yeah, it's one of those where like I hated it. It was bad, but. Crowd loved it.
2: Yeah, the crowd loved it. It was like you said, rambling Hogan at his worst. But I mean, what blew me away was Hogan using the the bra. He's like, you know, something bra. Yeah. It's like when when did Hogan move to fucking Hawaii? Like
1: I know. Um, we get a repeat of sixty seconds with Goldberg. Let me tell you, whoever put that video package together, I hope they were eating well because this company got their use out of that video package. Uh, which, look, we're noted fans of. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony says, this is okay. So, there's a theme tonight, and that's them acting like they're planting seeds for someone eventually showing up, and then they literally just show up within an hour.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Tony says, Sting has been cited in Toronto. Uh, possibly, kind of like non specifically, agents have maybe even seen him in the building. No, uh, w-
2: what he said was Border Patrol agents. Ah, told okay. Him they had seen
1: Sting. It's like, so Tony's crossing the border, and the Border Patrol agent's like, hey, we have to protect people's personal data, but I thought you
2: should know Sting's here. A guy in black and white face paint. Yeah. Was just true here in the car in front of you. He was, yeah. (laughs) He had a bat and he was sad. Do you know him? There was some young lad in the back seat with a stick A port. I mean, yeah. Weird. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) We didn't look into it. Um,. They're kind of openly speculating. Will he st- Last time they saw him, he was in the black and red of the Wolfpack. Will he still be aligned with the NWO, or will he be out on his own again? Uh, we shall see a lot sooner than I would have hoped. This is something they absolutely should have built for several weeks. I- it's like he's been sighted in the area. He's been sighted in the building. There he is.
2: Again, you would think Sting leaving the NWO would be something they would build to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, just, he's just not in it anymore. Nope.
2: I don't like you anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, we then get a DDP Steiner recap and then uh, Tanae sit down with Paige. Oh boy.
2: Hey, I, hey, hey. hey. You, you remember when DDP was like the number two baby face of the company? Man, I, I'm i so
1: deflated by this like just half-arsed we're just turning Paige heel now. Because he's um, got an attitude. And that's all it is. Like he doesn't do anything bad. He's just like a little bit fucking snippy in this interview yeah. basically. He said uh today's asking how Kim is. He says Kim's fine. Um that the the Steiner recliner gave him uh was it sporadic paralysis in a his legs?
2: Herniated disc I believe.
1: Um, he isn't looking to make excuses. It simply isn't going to happen again. Tanay asked about there was, if, if you remember, back to last month, there was talk of a stipulation that uh, Kim would be in Steiner's service for thirty days if Paige lost. Uh, so he asks, "What about the stipulation with Kim?" Paige asks if he's an idiot <laughs> because he never would have agreed to something like that. Um, so we're today
2: just, was we're just blowing our stipulations because they're stupid.
1: Yeah. It's basically, they did it, and they were like, okay, we've no idea how to pay off this stipulation. Let's act like it never happened. Um, Tanay was kind of asking what's next for the People's Champ, and he's like, enough with this People's Champ stuff. And I agree, enough with this People's Champ stuff. Uh, When he comes back, he's going to pick his spot. Little did we know, his spot would be in just a handful F- of segments. Four and a half time.
2: minutes, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Actually, yeah, it's like two segments from now. Fuck's sake. Um... So, yeah, he's going to get to Steiner his own way, which is amazing. It's like it's a full heel promo, but he's still threatening Heels. a heel yeah. at the end of it. So, like, shades fuck. of gray, shades of gray, brother. Yeah. Um, We have got up next a Titanic singles match that I know you were excited by, Lee, and it's Wrath versus Chaos in the Battle of the Angry Man Names. <laughs>
2: the Angry Man Names. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sure the likes of, uh, you know, Robbie Roy and, I don't know, Freddy Fuming or whatever must have been, they must have, like, missed their flight or something tough, that they couldn't get involved. T- tough Timmy wasn't available tonight. Yeah, Tough Tom, Salty Sally. Yeah. Um,
2: I, this was not a great one, pal. I mean, listen, anytime you get Kenny Chaos in the ring, you're, you're guaranteed a... A time... A match you're, taking place. <laughs>
1: go forth from this place and say that days of thunder mark our words. Any time Kenny Chaos gets in the ring, time will pass.
2: <laughs> that is the days of thunder guarantee. Um, uh, did, did I mean? Listen, they weren't even on the same page with regards. Like it was just a really really bad match, and, and the same fucking genre. And this this is a point I want to make. Nitro is now three hours. Okay, so yeah, we're now fully in the era of WCW. Are just blowing off the first hour. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> they even get, don't give a fuck. You don't even get an introduction. They only introduce Nitro at the nine o'clock hour. Yeah, yeah, that's a, we had
1: talked about that on last week's one, where it's like it's literally at yeah, the top of the hour. It's like okay, let's do the opening credits for the show. Like,
2: like it. It's so bad that like they are getting this money from from Turner and they are just putting absolute shite out in the first hour they yeah
1: it's like it it, it is like an active attempt to fucking tank that first hour to not have to do it anymore is what it's like
2: which is so unusual because like they active like I know look I know the whole thing with Thunder was oh he did Bischoff didn't want another show or more more hours or whatever but like he did want the third hour he did want the third hour he wanted the
1: unopposed hour yeah um, But hey, this match was shockingly long, like shockingly long for these two guys. Mm-hmm. They both got absolutely fucking gassed, like relatively quickly. And it went on for a while. And th- this was the match where Larry Zabisco really started to irritate me. Yeah, I-, I just started shooting out the commentary from this point. Um, One thing I will say um, before we keep on with our grievances, there was a couple of like moments of hey that was a, a, a nice little half second of something that looked semi-athletic so there was like a decent looking stalling vertical from uh, Kenny Chaos mm. that was like okay that was pretty good looking there was um, Rath did a missile drop kick that he got like a pretty decent leap on I was like okay um, and then that was it Uh that was yeah. literally like two spots I have picked out of a match that went probably what
2: 10 minutes oh, yeah. That, like, never
1: ended. Honestly,
2: like, if you looked this match up on KH match, and it was any less than nine minutes, mm. I would be stunned. Uh,
1: Kenny Chaos at one point did a guillotine leg drop uh, off the top rope and you, listener, I cannot impress upon you how long it took for him to get onto the top rope.
0: <laughs>
1: it was. <laughs> I thought they were going to have to send for help. <laughs> I thought he got lost <laughs> on the way up there.
2: I mean, he was tired. Give, give the man oh. some
1: credit empires rose and fell in the time it took him to get from turnbuckle one to two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Fuck
2: me. I mean, listen, it was an integral part of the match. I mean, you couldn't have had this match without that Gilding egg drop. <laughs> yeah,
1: that <laughs> just to lead to another near fall. Um... Chaos then runs into a death penalty, meltdown. Uh I loved about this meltdown. Like even in the era before HD cameras and microphones, you could hear Wrath counting to three for the meltdown to get <laughs> Chaos to jump.
2: You could hear one, two, three. <laughs> um hot hot take here, but the death penalty should have been a finish, because that looked awesome. Yeah, it
1: did. Um Today then does a, a a plug for the the nine hundred number
2: uh, as we go to the break. do you think we could get tonight to plug our patreon?
1: oh, that'd be amazing i'd love I'd love to have the professor involved um what a man but I genuinely like what a guy like today is
2: I love him I really do maybe maybe we'll have to get on to Garrett see does Garrett have any connections I, to I, uh, I think we've we've talked about this before. Do you
1: remember how much people like the, the kind of like the nascent days of online wrestling communities and like the the power slams of the world mm. used to get on Tanay and Don West. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like act like they were terrible. Same with Michael Cole and Taz. Uh as like... Look back on that shit now, guys. Like, th- those dudes, like, Michael Cole and Taz, like, I'm not saying they were world-class, but they were definitely a lot better than people gave him credit for. Tanay and Don West were genuinely fantastic for a long time.
2: Well, the thing on, on Cole and Taz was people snubbed at, our, you know, took shots at them because they had to be produced by Paul Heyman. Yeah, yeah, okay. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the Tanay and Don West thing was Don West was never supposed to be a commentator. It's just everybody else in TNA was fucking horrendous. So they said, hey, Don, you're good at selling stuff. You like wrestling. Yeah, and the sell is what they were able to do. Like for years in TNA,
1: they were just what got you in. uh, Apart from like the amazing shit you were seeing in rings sometimes was it was commentated by two guys that genuinely seemed
2: super fucking hyped Uh, um, by what they were watching. And hey, if you want to hear people talk about and love the early days of Don West. You've got to be kidding me on the VOW Podcast Network.
1: TNAChad.com.
2: TNA, yeah. Um, (laughs) Garrett and Liam go through all the early days of TNA.
1: Yeah, Uh, an excellent podcast to which I am subscribed on the Patreon
2: as well. Two friends of ours, obviously friends of the show.
1: Yeah, who will, of course, be back at some point in the near future. (laughs) Christmas is coming. (laughs) People who were around last year know what that means. Okay, now.
2: Um, What's the new one? The Punishment or something, is it? Oh, I can't remember. WWA. I
1: I, yeah, I have it. So yeah, for people who weren't around, who are kind of relatively new listeners, uh, last year we began a new Christmas tradition where we get Garrett and Liam on to uh, review a a WWA pay per view, which was the uh, the reckoning was the first one, uh, something like that. It's like it's how would you describe it? Uh, A promotion that wasn't quite. WCW still wasn't quite TNA yet What was the but worst parts of, of both was the worst parts of both had a lot of the players from both and was run by an Australian money mark who may have been uh, an absolute maniac Um,
0: yeah kind of sums it, was,
1: it up it was genuinely one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever seen in my life that first one oh it was The Inception was the first one The
2: Inception that's what it was I
1: think that was it yeah I think
2: The Awakening is the next one or something like that
1: yeah God, yeah, so Christmas coming, um, the two lads know that they're gonna be back on. um we get our third Tory segment. She's now talking with Nash exactly where like literally Hogan stood up, Nash sat down is basically like it's the same couches, same angle, everything. <laughs> um she asked him, so this is she is clearly trying to sow discord between Nash and Hogan because she's asking if the finger poke was real and Nash at first is like you're just trying to stir shit, basically. But then he also immediately bites on it. He's like, "What? What do you mean? You think he can like finger poke that that was real?" And then sarcastic is like, "Yeah, it was real. All right, I'll show you." And he's clearly upset and he storms off. Terrible,
2: awful, just um, awful.
1: No one wants to see that feud. No one wants to see it. Absolutely, no one wants to see it. Uh, Mean Gene in the ring with Flair. Huge boos for Flair. Mm-hmm. Well, he does um, He does
2: the whole local sports team bit.
1: Yeah, I would like to say that a lot of the booing, apart from the sports reference, all caps, uh, is the fact that there was an app. Ah, this man was wearing a hideous tie tonight.
2: <laughs> yeah, listen, suits. I mean, everyone loves a good suit. There was no good suits in the 90s. No, uh, and
1: definitely no good ties. Uh, he says he doesn't like Canada, and in maybe the most... Uh, like of the era specific jibe you could throw at Canada, he slags off the exchange rate with the dollar. <laughs> Which is great, where he's like, I can go out on the town, uh, was it a fifty dollar bill? Yeah. I can go out uh on the town with mean Jean. Um, and I can't remember what the, the, the basically like he could get like, several nights out with Mean and Jean on a fifty dollar note. Yeah. Um yeah, it's just really funny. Like, that whole, you know, the Canadian dollar isn't worth shit thing is like is just a real throwback reference to me. Um, he says he has a big surprise. One of the biggest stars in the industry has been after him all day, so he's giving him a chance to make a presentation. As he's trying to say this, though, the crowd is thundering uh, asshole chance, at him. Um, and I love that, where Gene <laughs> goes, we might have to edit that, and Tony, without missing a beat, just goes, it's live. <laughs> 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 but, um,
2: <laughs> Tony's dismay at everything in this company is going to get us through so many bad shows. Yeah, he is our spirit
1: animal here. Um, but I will say he said it was a big surprise, and I was surprised, uh, in as much as DDP had just teased that he was going to reveal his big plan, like you said, four minutes ago, and here he was. So I was surprised because I wasn't expecting him already. Well, he said he was going to do it his way. Yeah, which was, I guess, his way is, you know. I've been pestering Rick Clear all day. It's the right way, the wrong way, in the Homer Simpson way. Isn't the Homer Simpson way just the wrong way? Yes, but faster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, yeah, so he's out now. Uh, Flair says, hey, I have the book now, so I can do what I want with you. Always love a reference to the book. That's definitely something I'm not fucking sick of mm-hmm. uh, in wrestling. Um, he can do what he wants with him. Uh, Flair knows that he wants a match with Scott Steiner. They kind of boo lightly and DDP responds by burying the entire nation of Canada. Um, Flair says he has a solution to two problems at once. Uh, Tonight, Paige will wrestle Hogan to get his match with Scott. uh,
2: Hogan stormed out at one point. Yeah. And then Flair was like, Haha, you want to wrestle me. You want to wrestle Steiner, so you're going to wrestle each other. Okay. Mm. Uh,
1: DDP asks if... um, if Flair is scared that he's doing that because he um, he isn't going to wrestle him. He said, no, uh, I'm not scared. It's because I'm the boss. Um, like you said, Hogan came out. The crowd went crazy. Uh, Paige says he doesn't care what it takes to get to Steiner. Hogan says he doesn't t- care what it takes to get to the belt. So the match is on. Uh, but Flair, inexplicably, absolutely no need to add it as a stipulation. He says, okay, I'm going to be your manager tonight, Paige. And then... Uh, we see, speaking of people who were only teased several minutes ago, uh, Sting is in the rafters. Yep. Um. Yeah, crowd does lose it for Sting, but uh, I did laugh at how preposterously long it takes uh, Flair and Hogan to see what side of the arena they need to be looking up at towards Sting. They
2: just couldn't fucking figure it out. I mean, we we know from um, history that Hogan sees stuff better when he's up higher and he's yeah. looking down on something <laughs> this is true yeah very he, when, famous when he's examples. looking up it, it's not <laughs> as good it's when he's looking down on things we know his vision is 2020 Um, we then
1: get the top of the hour reset with our Nitro credits and the Nitro girls and I love you know we're talking about how they don't give a fuck about the unopposed hour they won't even put the Nitro girls in the unopposed hour no but I mean they were stars Yeah, the Nitro Girls are too big time for the unopposed hour. Very, very funny. Uh, Then we get what I am going to controversially uh, say to you was my match of the night. What's controversial? Yeah, I suppose it is a bit controversial. (laughs) Uh, It was Rick Steiner versus Scott Norton in a dad battle. Uh, Lee, I'm not going to lie. This was exactly what I wanted. I said, "I hope this isn't these guys coming out and doing like a fit Finley job. I hope these guys come out and they do like just power moves and strikes and no selling. And that is exactly, exactly what, what they, I yeah,
2: got. Yeah. I mean, if you were to write, like you, you wrote down what you wanted. They gave this to you. Um, yeah. I mean, I would call this the the battle for Aaron Quinn's heart. Yeah,
1: I let her know in the yeah, the discourse. I, I was like." There is a match that is right up your street on this show. <laughs> this might be my favourite no-selling stiff match uh, I've seen since the infamous Giant versus Meng match that I lost it
2: for <laughs> on Night of Nitro 2 or 3. Where they're, where they're both like, my gimmick is to no-sell, so let's both no-sell. My gimmick is to take as few bumps as possible. <laughs> um.
1: So yeah, they just stand at each other, slug each other no-selling. Give it to me, is what I wrote here. Uh, Rick Closeline Scott out of the ring. Um, he does his kind of, like, uh, dogface gremlin, kind of like his pose on the mat. Randy Anderson tries to hold uh, Rick Steiner back by holding the top of his head. Doesn't work very well. Uh, they get back in. Rick starts a 10 punch, which gets reversed into an atomic drop. And then Scott Norton hits a double cross chop, which absolutely pops Tenet huge on commentary. <laughs> Um, This starts a theme of the night where they're talking about, hey, when guys do moves you don't expect them to do, sometimes it can really disconcert their opponent because it's not coming from the playbook. Um, So they really love that bit. Uh, whip reverse, Rick dumps Norton arse over tea kettle and he rolls out again. Uh, Larry then gets involved in a long segue about how, because there was a couple of, like, uh, I think eye rakes or eye pokes or something, and he was talking about how it's a really good strategy, because the one area you can't build muscle on is the eyeball, and this becomes something that distracts him for several minutes of talking, um... We come back from a break and Norton hits what I think might be one of the most impressive feats of strength I have ever seen on this show. And that is uh, the best way I could describe it is a deadweight dominator where Rick, he does a dominator. Rick is not going up for this move at <laughs> all <laughs> and is like doing the, you know, something that everybody absolutely hated. uh Ken Kennedy slash Anderson for back in the day where he'd do this thing to try and make it look more real where he'd like flail his legs and stuff but Uh what that would do is make the other guy lose balance and so as Rick is going up he's like flailing and everything as well as deadweighting Norton and Norton's just like fuck it you're going going up up, mate yeah Yeah.
2: (laughs) and he got him up and he got him down and it looked rad I mean listen Rick Steiner's a tough guy that you know I wouldn't like to meet in a dark alley but On the other end of the scale, you've Scott Norton. I, yeah. I, this I think I'm taking Norton in that way. Yeah. Uh, Rick hits a German suplex. I wonder
1: how that would have rated on the Takeda scale. Uh, Norton then lays him out with a fucking lariat. Rick reverses a powerbomb attempt, gets an eye poke. Larry triumphantly reminds us when this eye poke happened. He goes, "Remember what I said about the eye?" Ha ha ha. Um. Then Rick grabs Norton's head. Clatters it into the post three times. Back into the ring. Steiner Bulldog. I unashamedly loved this. It wasn't good,
2: but I loved it. <laughs> it's a great example of how a bad match can be just what you want. Yeah. It is what I... Like,
1: just fucking do something. I was begging for it on this show. Um, I'm assuming you didn't share my enthusiasm for this one, pal.
2: No, I... <sighs> Look, it was fine. Um, yeah, I can get why you were excited for. I know you love your your beefy dad battles. I absolutely do. It's one of my favorite genres. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there's a match coming up later on in the show which I do love.
1: Uh, we get a backstage segment where Ray and Kidman agree they're going to team tonight to take on the Horseman. Uh, then we get a world television title match, Booker T, and also a, a martial arts division title match. It is. Uh, yeah. Booker T versus uh, Gentleman Chris Adams. Um, I tweeted this out when it happened. as like, Booker T, there is no one in this company that can touch him right now for world championship level gear mm-hmm. all the time. Um, Like, we talked about how Randy Savage, in spite of being past it and not booked, like, uh, a world champion uh, just before his knee injury, uh, he was still coming out like he was the world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, And this is something that, like, Booker T definitely took to her. Like, even going back to his Harlem Heat days, like, the gear was always immaculate. Always top-notch, yeah. And even, did you see the, those photos of him, like, returning to the ring for the first time in a few years last week? No. Gear Immaculate. It was, he had, he had new gear made up that was like a throwback to one of his kind of um, late 90s. Bro. Um bro. Uh, I can't remember what, because he did a side by side on his Twitter. Have a look at it there while we're chatting, because uh, okay. I think he posted it himself. Um, one, like that man for, I think he's 54 now. Absolutely great, Nick. He's in. Fair play to Listen, him.
2: He's, he's still young enough to get a, a, a
1: AW run. But for a guy who was doing, like, this match that I think was at, like, one of the shows, his school runs, um, like, unnecessarily main event level gear for the man.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I, if, I can see the gear he has on, already.
1: Yeah. And you're, like, because there's someone posted the side-by-side with him, um, like, because he had very similar gear at some stage during his WCW run. Yeah, it's, it was t- it, yeah
2: 98 TV title run.
1: Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, Yeah. Still looking great. What a king. Um, Anyway. Uh Booker feeling it early on, but the story of the match is that Adams is looking to capitalize on uh, Booker's recently gained confidence from the winning streak he's on. Um, so, uh, Adams gets the heat uh, because of Booker's, like, slight bit of hubris. Um, he hits a powerbomb on Booker T that looked very sore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then some really good-looking clubbing blows to the back of the head. And this is the kind of stuff that, like, when when we started watching Thunder and we saw, you know, Chris Adams was knocking about, this kind of stuff was more what I was hoping for from him, where it's like some good-looking strikes, some Razlin, some... A guy who's actually, you know, clearly in the story of the match has a game plan and things like that. That's that's the kind of route I'd go down with a Chris Adams, and I,
2: I was happy to see it here. Yeah, no, th- listen, we we said it, like you said, Um, this is a guy that I wish kind of had more more TV time but obviously the man had issues um, yeah. beyond the ring 100% yeah. um, one thing I will say is I couldn't take him seriously in this match for yeah. the main reason being that I don't know if you noticed this but any time he was like running at ropes or sent into a book or anything all I could hear was these little <laughs> uh... <laughs> no I do <didn't> miss that <laughs> he'd be making all these little little sounds be like
0: uh... <laughs>
2: oh now i have to watch this match It was again. like you know when um a young child is like running down a, a very slightly elevated hill yeah and it's like <laughs> 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 running down like just like <laughs> the, the slope the curve at the end yeah, of a driveway yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that's all i could think and then after that
1: i just couldn't take him seriously oh man i need to watch this again um but yeah, I like that. So they did that powerbomb spot and obviously Booker took it a little rough on his head. And I think uh, like maybe that was factored into the match or maybe it was just Adams noticing that people noticed that and calling it in the ring. That then like a lot of his spots, like the clubbing blows to the back mm-hmm. of the head were focused on attacking Booker's head. And I was like, that just makes so much sense. It's so simple. Because um, then he does, what does he do as well? He does a back suplex, a high angle back suplex so that Booker looks like he's dumped on the top of mm-hmm. his head again. So absolutely... Like just such simple stuff done very well. That's all we ask for. Um Booker then, uh, like a kind of desperation hits a sidekick which gives him an opening. He hits uh his hundred and tenth Street Slam. Um Flapjack. Does the spin a rooney, which is now getting pops. really big yeah, pops. Yeah. Harlem sidekick again, missile drop kick for the win. Good little match. I always get disappointed when he does this sequence of moves, and this was another uh this is another match as well, where at one point the axe kick is used as a transition move. It's just like he's so close to being there. The one thing Booker doesn't have right now um, that he's missing from being a world title level guy is that he has loads of good looking finishes, but none of them are his finish. Yeah. Lo-
2: loads of good offense. He just hasn't settled on that that key, yeah. you know, killer blow. Look, I,
1: I'm glad he's not doing the Harlem hangover all the time as a finish mm-hmm. now, because like your hips can only take so much of that shit. And he's a big guy. And he was also yeah. Yeah, and he was also fucking killing people yeah. with that thing. Um so I'm glad he's not doing that. But like the missile drop kick is not it, man. It's not it. Mm-hmm. Um good little match, nothing spectacular. Um we get a clip then of Ray from last week at spring breakout saying that he's gonna give Kidman a rematch for the cruiserweight belt. Uh t- <laughs> Tony absolutely fucks up the transition uh, to the next, where he like he introduces the video
2: after it happens, and they're like, Tony, we just saw that. Yeah, so he, he says, we're going to go to the Rey Mysterio video. They go to the video. They come back, and it's like Tony's like, yeah, we're going to go to an explanation from Rey Mysterio about whatever, and Tanaeus is like, Tony, they just showed it. Ah, yeah, he's like, oh. yeah, he's like, oh, no one told me. And the two lads absolutely,
1: mercilessly bury him yeah. for that. Which I got to say, deserved in this case. Uh, Singles match up next. um, Jericho versus Jerry Flynn. Huge reaction for Jericho. Now,
2: this this is one instance where I am really annoyed that they play the Jericho music over. Because you can't really get an appreciation for just how over this man was.
1: Yeah, I'd say like, because obviously by the time he's talking, the reaction isn't as big. Mm -hmm. I'd say like his initial pop was probably massive based on the reaction once the music dies down. Um, they give him a moment where he's allowed to indulge it. He's baby face entrance, and he says Chris Jericho is one hundred percent Canadian, and then proceeds to turn heel on Canada. Um, but you know these Canadian crowds are smart enough that like they boo him because they know they're supposed to, but they still it's not exactly like they're going to be. Hey, Jerry Flynn, we want you to win now. Mm-hmm. Um, Flynn wailing on him early, but um, pretty much as soon as he gets to heat, like they're not interested in Jerry Flynn. They're just chanting for Brett. Um did, did Jerry Flynn botch
2: a catapult into the corner? Yeah, I think he did. Because no, he transitions sloppily to yeah. a single leg crab. Well, he absolutely mm. tried to catapult Jericho, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he did, yeah. I just did not go great for him.
1: I don't know. That's that seems like one of those foolproof moves. But uh here we are. Um they also so yeah, the match is kind of nothing. They also completely fuck up um a, a roll-up. Yep. So Flynn has completely lost track of where he is in the ring. There's a roll-up and Flynn is way too close to the ropes. And this felt like, you know, um, it would play into a story for WrestleMania 19, the idea that, you know, uh, Jericho idolized Sean. This was a very petulant Sean Michaels-esque moment yeah. where the roll-up gets fucked up and Jericho at least appears to stand up and kick him in the face. <laughs> like, like Vader style. Uh, was it? Wasn't it Vader that was like fucking move, yeah, yeah, and he yeah, kicked him in the yeah. face?
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah. This it it absolutely to me looked like a shoe kick in the face. Yeah. and Chris Jericho, or well, Chris Irvine is very fucking lucky that Jerry Lynn didn't fuck his shit up backstage.
1: Jer- Jerry Flynn would have abs- Jerry Lynn. was oh, Jerry him. Flynn. Jerry F- Jerry Flynn would have yes. eaten him for fucking breakfast. Um. Yeah. And he does the kind of like because obviously the roll up was supposed to be the finish, so he does the the rope assisted pin. Uh, for the win, and he's clearly annoyed. Gets out with the ring, and he's just fucking muttered under his breath. Uh, our next segment sees Gene Okerlund, Spice the Nitro Girl, and porn music with the Beetle. <laughs> uh, Gene keeps implying he wants to get in the car with Spice. Uh, it's them talking about the sweepstake and about how great this Beetle Adventure Racing game is. Um, my one takeaway from this is... Um, Is it just me, or does Spice have more charisma than half this roster currently?
2: Yeah, well, we are now approaching the era where the Nitro Girls are going to start becoming characters on the show. Yeah. Uh, To me, I was looking at this going, to this
1: point, Spice has been wasted on Nitro Girl segments. Because you could have had her doing something more, like talking for somebody, like a, you know... Prince Ikea? Yeah, just... Yeah just anybody like any like so many people in this company are clearly not comfortable with a microphone in front of them and she was just like fairly effortless and casual here um so fair play uh the hitman is here and this you want to talk about a fucking hero's welcome now,
2: hang on hang on before we get into the hero's welcome yeah brett's music plays mm-hmm. and nobody reacts because nobody knows it's brett's music
1: yeah yeah i wasn't sure um, absolutely beloved leans so hard into it he is Canada's hero and he loves being Canada's hero as has been noted everywhere and he recites oh Canada for everyone and then as if he wasn't already baby faced enough he proceeds to run down Bischoff, Flair and Hogan in short order mm-hmm. he, also, he, he, said he also calls Goldberg William Goldberg Yes, I loved that. So he said he's here to make a reputation, not lose it. He can excellently execute anyone at any time. Big, big cheer for that. And like you said, Lee, let's cut to the chase. The franchise player, William Goldberg, which got a huge reaction from me, calls him a big chicken and that he's going to wait here till he faces him references the real life, you know, WCW baiting people again, that, you know, they were putting a bounty for Steve Austin to fight Goldberg. Yeah, it wasn't this, a challenge
2: he made on Leno, I think.
1: Yeah. Um. And Brett says, you know, you're wasting all this money trying to fight Steve Austin. I beat Steve Austin every time I wrestled him. And I'm mad just like, pop. fucking,
2: yeah, fucking,
1: oh, that's a great line. Great line. <laughs> this has- is like,
2: be- before I even go any further, you have to mention, Brett walked out in a black... Calgary Hitman. Yeah. Uh, Calgary Hitman hockey yeah. jersey. And th- yeah, so he's wearing the
1: Hitman jersey and then this line comes in next where he says Goldberg, you fancy yourself a tough football player? This is hockey country. Come out and
2: fight me. And then what did he do, Lee? He whips off the Hitman jersey and reveals a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. And the this building nearly just crumbled (laughs) and the reaction was so loud I mean listen there had to be copious amounts of children uh, created on this night all (laughs) named Brett because the men and women in this arena lost it for him revealing the the Maple Leafs jersey now my takeaway is Brehart walked out wearing two hockey jerseys under them ring lights Uh,
1: what a man like I, I couldn't imagine not getting heat stroke within seconds. I mean, people asked why his hair was always so wet. The man was sweating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how. That's how he got. He got a nice steam on. He just wore hockey jerseys and sweated off the the carbs. Um, so Goldberg comes out, circles oh, Brett for a couple h- of seconds. H- hang on, hang on. Goldberg yeah. comes
2: out. Do Do you want to look? Set the scene for us, Lee. You, Go- you take the ship here. Goldberg comes out. The music hits, and we get the pipe. No, we get the instant. Booze. Loud bills, Yeah. And of course, being WCW, they played the Goldberg track with the piped in. Goldberg.
1: Yeah. Goldberg. Never has it been more obvious that it's piped in
2: than yeah. that moment. Morons. Absolutely. Just go with the bills, Yeah. I mean, just absolute idiots. Yeah. That's that's one thing I will say. You won't
1: often hear hear me say the phrase, to WWE's credit, but eventually They did lean into The Bizarro Land stuff mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean They didn't like it but Yes Hence what they called The Bizarro Land Yes They did acknowledge That it was a thing They couldn't really avoid They couldn't control Yeah So you know You know I often think of the Like the ultimate one Is the Sean one Yeah Where they played Brett's music I love that Fucking hell I love that How you. How he made it out Of that building
2: Alive that
1: night I have no idea um, but anyway. Anyway,
2: Goldberg comes steaming out. No, no pyro, no nothing. He's just in his street clothes and he proceeds to circle Brett. And Brett is continually talking shit as they're as they're kind of circling and kind of going back and forth. And then Goldberg just a two step fucking you want to talk about football player. He takes yeah. them two steps and the momentum he builds up
1: yeah if you're not somebody who's like into um sports and you hear somebody who is talking about sports talk about somebody with like explosivity yeah. over a short distance this is this, this is, is it. That. yeah
2: i mean just they can't have been more than ten feet away from each other mm-hmm. and the the velocity goldberg hits heart with, with the spirit <laughs> he he fucking hoofs the cunt now, into the air honestly for this angle it couldn't have looked any better yeah he hits the spear and neither of them move like they literally both just go flat out pancakes Goldberg lying on top of her. and the commentary team are like oh you know he, he hit the spear and then they're like wait but neither of them are moving what's going on and they're they're kind of speculating they haven't seen a replay yet they're like did, did Goldberg spike his head did he, did he knock himself out on Brett's ribs What what's happened Yeah, and then Brett starts starts to store. He's the first one, and the crowd are like, "Oh!" They start coming alive as soon as he like moves an arm. They lose it. They lose it. They're like, "Hang on, what Brett's moving?" Yeah, and so Brett like slowly, and this takes a good like, I mean, a minute doesn't sound like a lot of time, but when neither man is moving, it's a lot of time. mm Hmm. And over, the, I'd say it's about a minute long. And Brett kind of stirs and he kind of half sits up and begins kind of shaking himself awake. Mm-hmm. And he proceeds to roll Goldberg off him. He pins him, counts the one, two, three. And as he's standing up, he takes off the Maple Leafs jersey to reveal the steel plate. And let me tell you, the crowd go fucking apeshit once again. Yeah. It wasn't the tree count that set them off. It was the, the reveal of Bret Hart being the fucking smartest yeah. man in the world.
1: Now, they loved the three count. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But yeah, it just goes to another level when the plate is revealed. Um, And he says, what is it? He says, respect that. Yeah. To, to Goldberg. And he says, hey, Bischoff, hey, WCW, I quit. Uh, and as they go to break, JJ is out and he's getting in JJ's face.
2: Okay. Um, now, this is where... I got really annoyed. Mm-hmm. So, Brett's promo, he addresses Bischoff, he addresses Hogan, whatever. That's grand. That's all storyline stuff. That—that He was in that loop with Bischoff and Hogan. He was NWO associated, blah, 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 blah. That's cool. So, Ric Flair is the on-screen president for life. Yeah. JJ Dillon is the commissioner still, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, we've established that Eric Bischoff no longer has any power. So as Brett Brett quits, that's fine. JJ is coming out going what are you doing and he basically tells JJ to go fuck himself. That's fine. But then we come back from break where they recap what just happened. And Eric Bischoff, the real Eric Bischoff without the hair dyed and yeah. all this, is now kinda of out pleading with Brett. Yeah. So what they are basically telling you is Oh yeah, that whole Rick Flair thing, that's not real the real man in charge is Eric Bischoff. Hmm. It's... They it's can't too, they, they can't get out their own way.
1: It's too... Like, they had... They had, like... bowled a strike. Mm-hmm. And they still somehow fucked it. They at fucked the, the very end. They
2: fucked it right at the end. Instead yeah. of just having Brett walk out, they had to do the whole, oh, during the commercial we saw Eric Bischoff. We haven't seen him in months. Mm-hmm. Why is he there? He's not he's not an on-screen guy like it's yeah they they instead of going yeah we're doing this thing with flair where he has all the power they've now just totally undermined it yeah it's really really disappointing
1: because like you know like you so eloquently described there it was just a crackerjack segment for the most part again we'd probably have done it you know, I'd I'd probably have put the belt on them just for the fuck of it. Like, they hotshot shit all the time. Why not? Um, but, but still, for what they wanted to do, they, this was nearly perfect.
2: Listen, if they did the seg- this segment here where he quits and all that, mm-hmm. if they know, right, we're coming back to Toronto in four months' time, we're going to have Brett win the title in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. Build, build that shit up they don't they just it's fucking it's infuriating because yeah they did this great angle with Bretton and Goldberg we've never seen Brett versus Goldberg Grant it's a fresh fresh main event level match no problem build to it Grant awesome segment and then they just they fucking ruin it by just getting in their own way and doing oh well here's the guy with the real power yeah they just can't fucking help instead of them just going WCW I quit it has to be yeah. Bischoff. It has. Yeah. so annoying.
1: Yeah. Oh well. Um. Still a great segment. Um. For the most part, and worth looking back on if you've never seen the whole thing. Uh. We then get. Uh. Yeah. So when we came back from the break, they showed the Bischoff bit. They showed a the replay of the spear. We then get a, a Buff and Scott video package uh, leading into a singles match, which was Buff versus Norman Smiley. Uh, the legit tweeting man looks absolutely enormous at the moment.
2: This is the debut of Buff Daddy, Buff Daddy's music. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um The the, the very recognizable Buff Daddy theme, which was good because it was like, you never know when these new WCW themes come in, are they going to be randomly dubbed out? And mm-hmm. uh, I'm very happy to hear this one intact. Um. Buff reminds everybody that him and Scott are no more, and that also he is the stuff. Um, I re- <laughs> there's a great moment. So Bobby, we should have mentioned Bobby's on commentary now, and um, there's a great moment here early in the match where he's he talks like for about ten or fifteen seconds, sounds like he's really gassing off Bagwell. Like you know, you think about the the injury this guy had, the rehab he went through, as like you know, the idea that he came back into the ring and he's wrestling after that neck injury is incredible. I know none of us here would ever do that. And then he pauses and goes, how dumb is he? <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Just when
2: ages gassing up and then like, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> Which I, I really like. Yep. If there's one thing that is consistent on WCW television, it is that, in fact, Buff Bagwell is a moron.
1: Yeah. Uh, Buff showboating big time early on and that... Hey, uh, what what a face. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like the crowd were loving it. And I was just like, the difference between his face and heel personas are non-existent. Mm -hmm. It's literally the same, except at some point someone was like,
2: no, no, we're not booing him now. Okay. But Buff, the baby face, has his own face inside a love heart on his new trunks. Yeah. Incredible.
1: Um. Like, I wonder if this matchup of like, because Norman Smiley, obviously a very good technician. um, uh, We've talked about him before plenty on the show. Like, this seems like a matchup that before the neck injury, when Buff still had athleticism and had potential, that this could have been a decent Mm -hmm. matchup. Obviously, Buff
2: is already at this stage much more limited. Yeah, he's very immobile at this stage. This point, um, I yeah, I can see what you're saying. Like it, it was a match that you could have put on TV for ten minutes, and it would have been pretty good, I think. Yeah. Whereas I thought this was pretty damn disappointing for all that was in it. Yeah.
1: Um, two really good um spots in here from Smiley. He hits a really good looking vertical suplex, but mm. the the move of Norman Smiley is that I could just watch all day long is that wind up scoop slam. Yeah. Uh, that is just incredible and with a guy like the heft of buff it's it's very impressive I
2: really wish somebody would start doing that
1: yeah it, it's really just it's it's just like it looks like the physics of it shouldn't work uh, that he should tip over and he just doesn't did, it's great did
2: you watch that um, FCW documentary on the network yeah so Zach is that not Zach um, the other one fucking Hawkins um, yeah. said he Prince of Queens to- Whatever's name what's his name? Brian Myers? Cur- yeah. Kurt Hawkins, Brian Myers. Yeah. Um he was saying he he when he was in FCW he asked Smiley to show him how to do it and he you know, he said he showed him how to do it and Smiley said he could use it. Now obviously nobody watches Brian Myers matches, so maybe he does <laughs> use
1: it. <laughs> Not after that AJ Styles match anyway. <laughs> Um. Now, listen for all that. Of- guy, that that guy, like that guy, gets such pelters for one very, very highly visible bot. He, he did. He made a
2: rod for his own back. That's all yeah. I'll say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Like, look, he could use it in every match. Nobody will ever know. <laughs> listen when when. <laughs>
1: I just just didn't expect when I sat down tonight, it's like, I can usually tell, it's like, these are the people Lee is probably going to put it into. I didn't expect you to put both feet in on
0: Brian Myers
2: tonight. Listen, when you're in a tag team with Zack Ryder, and you're the Jannetty of the two. (laughs) I mean, even Mojo Rawley wasn't the Jannetty.
1: He's, he is the, the genetti of writers two genetis. Yeah.
2: <laughs> He's like the Al Snow of the Rockers.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, fucking hell.
2: Fucking hell. Oh. But right. My, my, so my, my point being somebody really <laughs> should take that scoop slam and start doing it
1: yeah oh we're absolutely if somebody signs up next month on the TRL tier they're definitely sending us a Brian Myers comp
2: oh, nobody has a Brian Myers comp <laughs> even Brian Myers doesn't have a Brian Myers comp <laughs> Okay, I need to
1: move on <laughs> <laughs> like what,
2: what would be in a Brian Myers comp <laughs>
1: going twirling that fucking baton around. The fucking, the fucking baton. fucking <laughs> baton. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Buff wins with a blockbuster. <laughs> uh, um, The commentary uh, now gets around to the fact even though we had seen a segment earlier that set up the match, they only now get around to explaining that uh, the horseman basically went to the locker room earlier and laid out a challenge to anybody and it was the two cruiserweights that took them up on it. So, this leads us to a tag team title match that was Benoit and Malenko versus Kidman and Rey Mysterio. And this starts off with Benoit beating Kidman
2: like he owed him fucking money. Yeah. Oh yeah, Benoit early in this match is just chopping the absolute shit out of Kidman. Um, it's the closest to a shoot back body drop I've ever seen as well. <laughs> um, before Actually, before the match began, we had like the real highlight of the show. Where they do it an on camera spot with the commentators. Mm-hmm. And Tony is, you know, trying it to tonight to talk about something. Then he's like, Heenan's trying to say something. And Tony's like, Right, come on, what have you got to say? And uh, Heenan comes back with, Oh, you really want to know what I think? And Tony just goes, No no I don't and it kind of tra- you're going to tell us anyway <laughs> yeah, and it throws Brain off and he's like well you really want to know what I think and just, Tony just goes right we're going to the match <laughs> yeah we're going to the match he's going to tell us
1: anyway and then they cut to the entrances and he's like well Brain what was your big idea basically. it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah uh, great grappling exchanges leading to a really pissed off Benoit just clubbing Kidman in the head mm-hmm. um, good wrestling things happening uh, through a break and um, I love the the story of this match was the Capital W wrestlers making the Flippy Boys suffer. Yeah. Particularly Kidman.
2: I mean, you want to talk about a simple story of the wrestlers grounding the High Flyers. That was this match.
1: Hmm. There was a really cool counter in here where the Horsemen are double teaming Kidman. And they go to give him like um like a pop-up spine
2: buster. And he pushes off and drop kicks both of them. Well, Loved that. What they had done is they'd done the double flapjack like less than two minutes before that yes and they went to yeah. do it again and then he That's counted it, it was, into yeah. the drop kick.
1: yeah really really good um then he tags Ray in straight away big pop for Ray great little comeback he launches Kidman outside some really good um, double teams like for a team
2: yeah. that like they guys that never teamed together
1: yeah which was emphasized mm-hmm. uh on commentary Ray turns around into Malenko eats a backbreaker but he fires up um Malenko catches him uh, goes to put him in the cloverleaf, but Saturn and Raven are out. Even flow on Milenko. Ray covers, and we have new tag team champions Kidman and Ray Mysterio. Did are you surprised by this? I knew they have
2: the rain, but I forgot it. Like I didn't think it was this soon. Okay, no, you know? they they do have a rain during the Filthy Animals era. Yeah. So you obviously didn't know that this reign took Yeah,
1: so I must be confusing it with the other one, okay. yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I, again, Spring Stampede coming up is one of my favorite pay-per-views of ever, yeah. all time. So yeah. this, I was very much aware that this was the match where they win the titles. Mm-hmm. Um. So the, the commentators, when Saturn and Raven walk out, do go, oh, we saw this on Thunder, where Saturn mm-hmm. is aligned with Raven again. Yeah and nice of them to do a small bit of thunder continuity for us <laughs> and i mean yeah they did do the whole distraction finish and raven hitting malenko with the ddt um a great ddt first of all yes um but yeah just the tag team titles for the first time in our entire run on this show actually feel important.
1: yeah uh, yeah it might be the first like first tag title change we've seen that got a deserved big pop Mm -hmm. um yeah a really really nice little match um obviously you'd always prefer if the 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 plucky baby faces win it clean but I think you know obviously um given what they're doing in the company now they're not gonna have the horsemen
2: well I was just gonna say I think you can justify it with the way the horsemen have been going on the last couple of weeks yeah that this is very much a case of your own medicine. Yeah, I I think if it wasn't for the fact that it's in
1: a company where this shit happens all the fucking time, I wouldn't have a bad thing to say about it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But a really good little match to that point. And uh, I mean, these are definitely three teams I like to see mixing it up.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. I'd watch any combination of these two teams any day. Um, Sorry, I'm just, I'm watching something on the TV as we're we're talking here. Yeah, professional. Um, Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's a match from uh, two thousand six. It's Arsenal the last the last game ever at Highbury. Yes, and they're playing Wigan. Okay, and I just saw somebody there. Do you remember Graeme Kavanaugh? Yes, Irish international and Premier League footballer, apparently.
1: Yes, the uh, the the youngest man to have a full head of grey hair I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah,
2: I had no recollection of him actually being a Premier League footballer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was it with
2: Cardiff?
1: Wigan, apparently. As, no, he was with Wigan as well, but did he play with Cardiff as well at some stage?
2: Possibly. Awesome. I just remember having the silver hair for like yeah. his whole career. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Silver
1: Fox. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we then get a replay of the Cineburst Spring Breakout segment from last week. Uh, then we get more Nitro Girls before the main event, which is... DDP with Ric Flair versus Hollywood Hogan. Uh, Your best mate, Buff Dog, is in the house. I can't believe they Um, flew Michael Buffer to fucking Toronto. It cracks me up to no end, Lee, that this is the one person the commentary will not talk over because they're paying him so goddamn much. Mm -hmm. Um, I keep trying to... Because I know you'd looked up before, trying to get the exact fee that he was getting paid per appearance. And, like, people... Argue depending on where you're looking, somewhere between 50 and 150 grand per appearance. You know, some people say 250 is like, to me, no way. that's that's yeah. definitely not a chance.
2: Now, li- um, listen, do I think WCW got a special rate because yeah. he was on so often? Probably. Yeah.
1: But one thing I, I saw that was confirmed uh, by somebody is that whatever his booking fee was, that he would charge an additional, I believe it was five grand if he was going to say, let's get ready to rumble yes. as part of his appearance. Yeah which is incredible. It's like, you can get me, but you have to pay extra to say the thing that's the only reason you're getting me me. in the first place. Absolute grifter of the highest order. And I still Um, think Bruce is
2: better than
0: him.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, huge Hogan chance. Um, you want, you want a fact. This is the the Dave fact of the week for you, buddy. You ready for this? Are we going to get a sting for this now? You're seated comfort. Oh, no, I'm not that. That's okay. I don't care that much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not editing in a fucking sting for this. Are you kidding me? Um, so, according to Cage Match, this is the first time Hogan has wrestled in Canada since a WCW house show match with, with Ray- Jacques Rougeau. I on, Jacques, I was going to say Ray. It was Jacques yeah. in in 1997, and this is his last match in Canada until he wrestles The Rock at WrestleMania 18. Okay,
2: so you know that Jacques Rougeau match sold out Um, a big fucking arena? Incredible. Well, I I, yeah, I, believe it. Because again,
1: like you said, Hogan is over like Rover in Canada. But it
2: wasn't the fact that Ho- it's the Rougeaus. It was in... um, yeah. Oh, fucking what's their territory? I don't know which territory it is. But yeah, the, hmm. the Rougeaus were fucking huge and a part of Canada. Yeah. And um, basically... The, Jock wanted to be Hogan. And I, I don't know mm. if he did. I doubt he did. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, basically, they never ran it back, even though there was, like, money mm. on the table, because yeah. egos got in the way. Shocking.
1: Um, but, yeah, it's kind of mad that, like, he hasn't... Like, it just goes to show how infrequently WCW were there, that he hasn't wrestled there in nearly two years, mm-hmm. and that he won't ever wrestle there again for this company. The next time he wrestles... In Canada, is that famous match with The Rock at WrestleMania? Never heard of. One. And uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait! Till I tell you, mate. Wait! Till I tell you, <laughs> the crowd was the real star. Um, Fucking don't wanna spoil fans it too themselves much. Over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get a we get a <laughs> we get a stare down and then a slugfest. The typical Hogan thing of him overpowering powering DDP. Shy clothesline off the ropes. Uh, DDP backs Hogan into a corner for a minute uh there gets Hogan Hogan chant there's like an awkward moment here Lee where the two of them clearly lose their pe- their where they are in the match because they're obviously like the two of these guys this match is rehearsed to fuck mm-hmm. um so they clearly lose their place the the break is coming up quicker than they were expecting so they're like panicked for a second as to how to get to the spot where they go to the break uh they eventually find it page close lines Hogan over the top as we go to the break um brawling Uh, At the announce table on the stage. Tony is disgusted by how they destroyed their announce table. Um, I enjoyed the prolonged spot where they try to knock over the
2: WCW sign. They destroyed the announce table by brawling around it and into the little girder thing. So obviously they are setting up for having the new Nitro stage next week. Yes. Yes, because they just didn't want to ship this one back from Canada, is my guess. They tried so hard to knock this thing over, (laughs) Lee. So, they try on one side. So, obviously, the, the the famous Nitro stage has the two massive WCWs either side of the ramp. Yeah. So, they're on one side of the ramp, and they try twice to knock it over, mm-hmm. unsuccessfully. Yes. They then go to the WCW on the other side, which it takes mm-hmm. two attempts to knock over. Yes. They then go back to the original side they were on and try again to knock it over to no avail. But they destroyed the stage. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you should see when they go over they knocked one over and then they were clearly feeling their oats yeah. a bit and they, when they go back to the other one that they couldn't knock over before you've never seen a more two men cooperating to try and like both of them essentially Push. they abandoned yeah. they abandoned the move they were trying to make it look like they were doing and both of them
2: just basically pushed it and they still couldn't do it which I mean listen I'm no engineering genius here Dave yeah, but if I know a spot is we're going to destroy the stage, I might just say, "Well, if we just you know unscrew or loosen or yeah before the main event, or or one of you
1: leave your feet and hurtle your whole body, and well, it would have done the job.
2: If you've ever seen a Hulk Hogan WCW match, you know he doesn't leave yeah. his feet that often. That's not happening. Not on TV, brother. That's not going to work for me.
1: Um, so lots of walk and brawl. Um, heel page is so flat in this building, Mm -hmm. in this match. They just don't care. Yep. Um, But they are chanting bid time for Hogan, so I, I good, I guess. Um, Hogan, who is the babyface, starts his comeback with an eye rake. (laughs) Um, Classic
2: babyface, Hogan. uh,
1: He does a suplex. He does repeated elbows. Hogan, absolutely gassed. And then Lee finishing sequence comes and do you want to explain this? this is like a schmaz upon schmazes this finish
2: okay so we get hogan whips ddp into the corner who squashes mickey J. hogan then runs in with a clothesline double squashes mickey J. we get a hogan big boo as he's teasing set up for the for the leg drop lil and h charles robinson runs in the announcers then go oh Robinson has a has a history of not counting for Hogan. Um, Hogan misses the leg drop. We then get Ric Flair running in with a chair, I believe, which mm-hmm. Charles Robinson, to his credit, pretends to turn away and not look yeah. at because yeah, that's at least the storyline. Yeah. Um, Flair then proceeds to ever so gently. Um, oh my God! This chair shot. He. He places the chair against the back of DDP's head, which... As it, it gently rubbed him with the chair. Which then knocks out DDP, because um, he yeah. obviously DDP had been holding Hogan and he reversed or whatever. Yeah. Um, Hogan then decks Flair. Hogan hits the leg drop on hmm. DDP. Robinson refuses to count. Hogan then decks Robinson, which gets a massive pop. Hogan then recovers d d p who's been down for about fifteen months at this stage <laughs> yeah, and Mickey J recovers in time to make the tree count, so your fresh new heel d d p just got absolutely killed, yeah in his first main event, and then we we gotta go
1: we're out of time yeah. um you know you kind of you kind of teased early what we thought of the the overall show but but first um. What do you think of this main event? Because I, I guess it's one of those things where, in spite of whatever quality we thought it was, the crowd seemed fairly happy. The,
2: I think the crowd were happy to get their Hogan shtick and all that. And that's fine. Mm. But I wish he had been facing an established heel. Yeah. If Look, I don't agree with doing the DDP turn. It didn't need to be done. Yeah. It yeah. very much screams of, well, Hogan's a face now and he doesn't want any other faces overshadowing. Hmm. Um the one thing
1: i will say i loved about this main event um is Bobby Heenan Bobby Heenan did a tremendous job of basically saying look i fucking hate this guy
2: mm-hmm.
1: but Hogan is you know the biggest star in this industry i've seen him fight back against insurmountable odds i don't know how many times so like as far as Heenan staying in character of, like, this man will always hate Hogan, but also putting the guy over huge. I think this was a phenomenal performance from him. And it's the best overall Bobby Heenan we've seen in weeks.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that.
1: Um, But yeah, otherwise, uh, as a match, apart from the absolute hilarity of them trying to uh, knock over the sign, there's very little I will ever remember about this.
2: Yeah, and I mean, look... The- the fucking... The, the chair shot just absolutely killed anything about this match. You, mm. If you're going to do the chair shot finish, you have to fucking hit him.
1: Yeah. It was the the, the combined, the chair shot, and then the delayed, like... The, the, y- yeah. You can see the cogs turning in Paige's head. is like, should I even
2: bother selling this? And then he had to sell the leg drop for fucking at least three minutes. Like, it's just... Yeah. Awful. Awful stuff. Like like I said I don't agree with the page heel turn but Jesus if you're going to turn him heel give him a fucking hot angle commit to it yeah. and don't just bury him in his first main event yeah um, right pal overall thoughts on the show winners and losers and let's get out of here uh, disappointing show um, the tag team title match was in my opinion the best match on the show mm-hmm. huge pop for Hogan obviously notwithstanding it was all about Brett Goldberg Look, we we
1: we picked this Nitro for a reason. That is the reason. Um, we're not coming back to Nitro. There's one Ever. next month. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's one next month that has a couple of pretty big matches that we're kind of tempted by, but we'll have to see because we've done a lot of these nights of Nitros now. Like we've done three in the last couple of months, so you know we'll we'll wait and see on that one. Um. But yeah, it wasn't a day if this was your first nitro with the exception of that one segment probably didn't leave a great no. taste in your mouth. Um yeah, we kind of alluded to it at the start of the show, so we've got uh two thunders left before Spring Stampede, so that is on the uh, the public feed that is where we're going next is to Thunder 57. I believe uh, from uh, it's the first half of a double set from Richmond, Virginia. So that's what we'll be doing in two weeks time. If you want more of our hijinks, patreon.com slash WCW Thunder pod. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of nights of nitro. Uh, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Stay safe and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of days of thunder. Days of thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. Keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us. You can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks.